Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. Okay, go Bundes Brothers, it's time to grab life big and put your money where your mouth is and get signed up for some bucket list adventures in 2017. Here's the BLR, Bucket List Rundown. Indeed, Mr. Smead, the first thing we got going up is Snowwater, British Columbia, hella skiing. The guys that went last year said it was un. Freaking real. Unreal. March 15th to 20th, Snowwater, British Columbia. Then we got a champions only couples trip. If you are a champion, which by the way is 5 million net worth. Is it five? Yeah, I believe. 5 million net worth above. Napa Valley with your wife. Napa Valley wine tasting with your wife. April 20th, 23rd. Then what I got, uh, I also got another champion self-reliance trip, which is uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail at the very last uh, five or six days of it, Mount Katahdin. That's in Bangor, Maine on June 7th through the 11th. Then we got August 17th to 22nd, we got a special fan abundance. Jackson Hole, Wyoming solar eclipse. Bring your kids and let them learn about the solar system. More specifically, the solar eclipse that's going to take place and uh, they may never see it again. You may never see it again in your lifetime. Solar eclipse is going to happen on Jackson Hole, August 17th to 22nd. Then we have South Africa, baby. Yes, South Africa. Man, that is bucket list item crazy. You got like seven or six or seven bucket list items on there. Swimming with the sharks. Of course, safari. The volunteering in, in Cape Town, in the ghettos of Cape Town. Just incredible trip planned on that. Uh, September 24th through October 4th. And we're working on a, a the end part of that, adding a uh, couples. If you want to have your wife fly down or your girlfriend fly down for the end part of that and a little special thing on the end, we got that working too. And then, of course, we got the GoBundance Elite Couples Trip in Placencia, Belize, in uh, a really nice, uh, probably a key, right, uh, off of Belize, in Belize, an amazing couple's trip that I, I heard amazing things. A lot of people last year said it was the best trip they've ever been on. So that is uh, November 4th through 11th. Any of these you want to sign up for, you know, reach out to Melanie and just let Melanie know, you know, you're in and she'll collect your money or uh, shoot you in the right direction. So uh, thanks, guys, and uh, enjoy the show. Grab life big. Okay, go abundance, brothers. I have a fascinating guest, uh, one of my favorite go abundance brothers, Mr. Ned Mahick, on the line today from Victoria, BC, is where he currently lives, among other interesting places he's lived uh so and I, but i'll let him fill you in on the gaps there so anyways without further ado mr ned what's up buddy welcome to grab life big thank you so much pat thanks for having me on here i appreciate it why don't you uh give a little rundown a little five minute or less bio on yourself brother ned so our other brothers can get to know you better Okay, so I'll give you a 10,000-foot overview. Um, I grew up in what was uh, ex-Yugoslavia, and back in 1991, I was a teenager, almost eight. Well, I was, I was a teenager. I was 15 and a half. The war started, and then shortly thereafter, um, I got drafted into it and got some experience combat fighting, and I, I you know, at first it wasn't pleasurable, but then... I have this, I, I call it gift now in life that I try to find the best in every situation. And I actually, after you know a couple months of it, I, I got to enjoy it and, and learned a lot from it. Created some really good friendships, um, kind of found out what teamwork is all about, um, building teams and what you're able to accomplish as a team versus as one individual. Mm. Um, and and that, that kind of, that lesson's, um, you know, taken me, uh, pretty, you know, pretty much the old way to 
where I'm at right now. And, and it's still one of the core beliefs and core tools that I use in life. Uh, second thing that I learned is uh, loyalty um, and, and um, loyalty, integrity, and trustworthiness um, mm. are, are key factors, you know, because you want to be able to trust the person next to you in the trench. True. You want to be able to put your life in their hands. Yes. And, um, and having, that in, having that in business, it's, it's very rare, but having those relationships in business um, is, is what makes, uh, makes our team excel uh, fairly fast. And then fast forward from there, I came to United States. Uh, I hit the books right away. Um, right after hitting the books, I was able to um, get my engineering degree fairly quickly. Really? And so wait a minute. So, so, cause when you were drafted, you were 15, right? So you didn't even graduate high school. Well, yeah, I, I didn't graduate high school, but what I did was, is we, we would fight for, you'd have 15 days on the front, 10 days at home. And then the 10 days that I would be at home, I was catching up with school because I didn't, you know, I've, I've gone into the high school and talked to the teachers because I didn't want to not finish it. And I was able to easily the handle the work. The teachers kind of let you by because they knew you were fighting. Well, not only that, they, they, they said as long as you finish your course load, you don't have to, you don't have to hit the, you know, you don't have to come to every class. We wow. won't fail you for not That's showing That's crazy. Up. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but as long as you as long as you hit your course load, you're fine. So then I learned how to uh, you know cram the course load into a a shorter span of time. You sure and you, you, sure well. you just didn't like hand somebody a bunch of guns and say, yeah. "Can I have a degree in exchange <laughs> for these guns?" Because I, I didn't get yeah. to go because I was 15. Or point or That's point a better I got story. You say unless, <laughs> unless I, I, or point I got if somebody say unless I pass, you know, I may pull the trigger. So you got some, you got a college in the United States to believe that you graduated from high school, and then no, I'm just teasing. so so. Tell me about okay. So you go into engineering. Where was this? Um, I I went to uh, university. Um, I went to University of Illinois Chicago at first, and I transferred uh, later on to uh, a different school, just because um, I, I went to Valpo for a while, and then I finally uh, moved to uh, it's called American Intercontinental in Georgia. Um, and they, they let me, they let me take as many credits as I wanted in, in a short. So, so basically the, the, the way they set up is they weren't charging per credit. They were charging per semester. It was a set fee. And then you could either take 12 credits or 24 credits. It didn't matter. So I took as many as I could. Um, I was, I was carrying 24, 25 credits a semester just to get through school as fast as possible. So, um, I crammed through school and while I while I was in school, um, I went and I, my English wasn't the best. I wanted to learn English and I also wanted to learn sales skills. So I took every sales job I could get my hands on. So I sold everything from vacuum cleaners, Kirby vacuum cleaners, to uh, life insurance, to gym memberships. You know, I, I just wanted really to go to the companies that were pretty good at what they were doing and get as much sales training as I possibly all can. Of the, all of the hardest type sales you can think of, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> Nothing sold but itself. I, but, but yeah, the stuff didn't sell itself. But I knew that I knew that um, if I wanted to excel in life, um, I was pretty good at math. I, I've always been gifted with math. I knew that I... You know, if, if you have the math and engineering and analytical skills combined with a bit of sales skills and social skills, you can you can get, you know, you can get a lot further in life than be the guy that sits in a server room behind the computer. So, yeah, yeah um, absolutely. I mean, that's a hard combination that that D.C. combination with with a little touch of eye in there is uh, is hard to find. So, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, so, so I worked hard and, uh, I got to, and once I, once I graduated, I went to work for Citigroup, uh, or Citibank in commercial lending. Um, from there, um, I spent about a year and a half there. From there, I was recruited by, uh, by Goldman Sachs and I spent about five years there, five, five and a half years there. And I did, um, I did a bunch of stuff, anything from investment banking deals down to real estate. I did. I, I worked probably about 100 hours a week, and after about four years in the company, I realized that I will never be wealthy working there. And the reason why, um, unless you know, I spent next 30 years working 100 hours a week and then retired on some stock options, that was going to be you know that that was going to be a possibility. Yeah, and you were going to work but, for the man no matter what. 
you know? No matter no matter what. And uh, once I realized that, I started um, I started looking for a way out. And I stashed as much cash as I could. Uh, what I what I realized is that working at a large company, I was getting really nice checks. I was making seven figures, but you know, making seven figures, you're also paying like forty eight percent in taxes. So, so you you know you get this you get this nice check and then half of it is gone. Yeah, especially a job like that. I mean, you're you're W two. That's it. It's all W two. So it's it's it was like forty eight percent in taxes, yeah, taxes, sure. insurance, all of it. It was just insane. So then, um, once I once I handled uh, once I got this idea in my head, I started researching and I I read a bunch of books on you know turning businesses and and expanding businesses. And I've seen, I, I, I was also involved in some M&A deals. So I had, I had some guys that I can leverage and talk to about uh, best management practices and generally what uh, businesses are lacking. So what I found is that a lot of small businesses are driven by their talent. So, you know, a, a bakery shop is driven by a baker who's really good at baking and, and a plumbing shop is really driven by a plumber who's really good and he provides a good service. But they don't. They don't have good business skills. They don't have. Um, they generally don't have the KPIs put in place. They they don't have good cash flow management. They don't have. Um, you know, if they have that, they, they don't have good marketing. So they're they're lacking something. So then, for the next few years, what I would do is I would go into the companies and find out what their weakness is. I would put together a team of people that um, could sc- help scale it, and I would jump in and, and help scale a business. And it was it was good. Um, there was some really good ones. There was some really bad ones. Um, I learned a lot more about people as well. And uh, once I, I I did that for several years, and then um, after a while, I realized that the increase on earnings that I'm getting. Um, so, for example, if you increase earnings in a business from you know a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand or three hundred thousand, the increase is worth three to five times more. Um, depending on what type of business it is. So anywhere from two to five time multiple. Right. And then essentially I was introduced to real estate. I had some real estate on my own, but I never thought of it that way. And cap rates, uh, with the cap rates that we have right now, like for example, the multiples on earnings are anywhere from 15 to 30, 40 times, depending on the market you're in, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then realized, yeah, then I realized why, you know, why spend wheels in, in a business that doesn't have any collateral, why not apply the same skills in real estate? Because the same skills apply in real estate where you have collateral, so yeah, you won't lose. And you don't have all these people you got to manage. That's you know, that's you know, you got an actual thing, right? That's, uh, instead that's of a exactly company. Right. Yeah, I love it. And we're going to talk a little bit more about those cap rates and that sort of thing when we hit the question, uh, what are you investing in now? Because Ned's doing some really cool shit with, with uh, micro units. But uh, before that, let's jump into where you want to be, like what your vision, because at GoBundance, we're all about the vision and visioning out our goals. So where do you want to be, Ned, in 10 years? What do you want your life to look like? That sort of thing. You know, um, you know, this might come as a shot. Like in 10 years from now, I probably want to be working harder than I am right now. Um, I want to be in a better physical shape than I am right now. I want to, I want to pick and choose. I do pick and choose now the deals that I get involved with. I want to be more picky on the deals that I get involved with. And I'd like to have, I like to have a balance of real estate and private equity deals, uh, Mm. consistent flow and a good team that can execute on a lot of it. So you want to have so a whole, um, a whole like investment arm. That's yeah. That's my tenure. That's my tenure yeah, plan. I want to, I want to have a, I want to have a really good team that, that can execute and then I can, you know, I could possibly sit on the board or be one of the executives in the company. Well, let's talk about where you are now. What percentage are you? What percenter are you? So Chanel and I, we look at ourselves as a, as a team cause we're living together and and now, uh, Shell is is who for everybody that doesn't know you? Chanel is my well, I could call her my spouse. We're not married, but we live together. Our assets are mixed. We we own places together. We own businesses together. We're love, and we're eventually going to get married. We just haven't. So you're kind of like business partners that are lovers, right? That's it. <laughs> um, and okay, so and you mix stuff together Every, as all of our business stuff partners. If you were to, if one or the other were to die. Though half of like if if you were to die, your stuff would go to your children, right? Wouldn't go to her because you're not married, right? 
Well, she would still manage it. Like I wouldn't just. She would give still it manage my... it, but but by the way that the laws work, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's the big difference. So, so what's the number? So so the number. So we're at. I would say two hundred twenty percent right now. Two hundred twenty percent. So so you're at a two hundred twenty percenter, right? Horizontal, which for yeah. the you know we always track. You know, a hundred percent of your bills paid by horizontal income makes you a hundred percenter. So he's got an extra hundred and twenty percent of freedom chips that that uh, pay him sideways. Now, based on the vertical income uh, that you're making now off what you're doing with the micro units, what would you say your vertical income is? So the vertical income. So I don't have it. Uh, or are you exactly just building separate? equity? Yeah, well, we're building equity. So we're probably earning. Uh, we're probably earning a couple of million dollars a year in equity. Two to three in, million in dollars equity. a year. Okay, right. So that makes sense. So you're really working for equity at this point, um, yeah. Because you don't need to work for horizontal. I mean, for vertical income. Vertical income for equity. Yeah, I love it. Okay. We have a, we we have a small salary that we pay ourselves combined. We probably make about one hundred fifty thousand a year. All right. So that would be it. So. Okay, cool. And then, okay, well, let's let, let's jump into the pillars, right? We got the five pillars. Which pillar do you suck at? The one I suck at, um, I, I probably suck at personal relationships. Tell me about that. I don't set aside time for, you know, keeping in touch with people who are important to me. So, for example, I really like Norm Gordon. He's, you know, I consider him a friend, but I don't, I don't set aside time. Or Amit, who's another GoBundance member, um, I, you know, I consider them friends and, and, and I really care about these guys. I just don't set aside time to, to call them on a regular basis. So then I kind of feel like I'm letting them down. Well, when, if, if you ever set aside, it's kind of hard because if you're setting aside time, it takes the romance out of any relationship. You know what I mean? Like if you, I remember a guy telling me once that, you know, his wife put up a, a big note in the, on the refrigerator and said, ask him how his day is. And <laughs> they, long story short, he ended up getting divorced. You know what I mean? You can't like necessarily time block for a relationship. It almost has to be like a natural thing where you like thinking of you pick up the phone. Same thing with with Chanel, right? It's not like you time block to have. Well, maybe you do. I you know I know when I actually, my kids were small, we used to time block a little block on Saturday night that said funky time. Yeah, yeah, I actually would do time block. I time block, you know, just because if I don't, I'm gonna end up. I love working. I love what I do. I don't. I don't consider it a job, right? So, so if I if I didn't time block, I would end up working twenty four seven. I would never. I have to time block my I sleep. See. So okay, so so you got me. So so yeah, you time block. So hey, well that well that's easy to cure, right? Then you just time block, right? Time block. Fam- yeah. Call family. Call. That's- I guess there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I guess now I'm looking at it like that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you. You got to do what you got to do. Whatever works, right? So that's one area that I, that's one area that I suck at. I don't follow up with my family and I don't follow up with my friends. How can I help you with that? Keep me accountable to it. I'll uh, I'll I'll you know I'll put it on a schedule. I'll put it on a schedule for an hour or two hours a week, and then you know if I don't do it, I'll let you know. Then I have you know, we'll create some kind of a punishment for it. Well, Ned and I are in the same GoPod, so I'll definitely do that. But also, everybody <laughs> listening, go on Facebook now and uh, go Abundance Elite and say, Ned, you know, did you call your mom? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, cool. Uh, wh- which one are you the best at? I, I believe I'm the best at creating passive uh, passive income right now. Okay. Horizontal income. All right. That's that's Because that's, like, that's your one thing, right? That's all you're doing, really. Well, that's, you know, like and when I say it's, it's horizontal passive income, it's, it's my focus right now. It's, it's my one thing. It's, it's where I spend most of my time at right now. And I'm trying to diversify. We're doing a lot of stuff in real estate, and I'm also trying to diversify, you know, into some other uh, areas. That, so I don't because I don't want to be 100 percent real estate. Yeah. Yeah. So, OK, cool. What brings Ned joy? This is going to sound weird, but I love working. I love creating. I love solving big problems. Mm. I love challenges. You know, I love challenges where people say this can be done. And and then I like to bang my head and I, I might not be the quickest to coming up with a solution because I'm also not the smartest. So I, I putz around and I call a lot of people and I find out what their opinions are and I get it all together and then I make an executive decision. But that's that's what I love to do. That's what brings me joy. I love doing that, and then once in a while, I just like uh, I like getting massages, man. That brings me joy too. <laughs> <laughs> You're a giver, not a taker, huh? 
Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. All right. So what's the best vacation you ever been on that? You know what? I'm, I'm kind of, uh, what do you call it? I'm kind of, uh, I'm short sighted like this. So usually my best one is always my last one, but the last go abundance, uh, family trip that we went on, uh, the one in Cabo that Pat organized yeah. was fucking outstanding. It was amazing. It was, it was great to, to get, to connect the guy, connect with the guys, you know, and, and their spouses at the same time, you know, because guys are a lot more humble when the wives are around. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> yeah. They tend to humble us, don't they? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Generally, they knew you. You know, they knew us when, when we weren't shit. You know, that's <laughs> so, it. That's, ex- that's exactly right. So uh, it was, it was, it was really, really, really an amazing vacation. Um, it was, it was action filled. It was, it was, it was one of the best ones ever. So I don't know if it was the best one ever, but it, this is it's the best one I could I could think of right now. I, I wish I had gone. I um. I've talked to like five people that have been on it and they all gave uh, Cullinane like five star reviews for setting it up. And they, so it was absolutely amazing. You did stuff, you know, every day there were options of things to do. And then at night you guys sat around in a, in a circle and, and had little masterminds basically on how to have a better marriage. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And it was, it was real experience. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't very, you know, it wasn't facilitated heavily. It wasn't directed. It was like natural conversations. Mm, the I best. think that's what made it really amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's great. And then you got the, you got the the buy-in from Chanel about GoBundance now even more. You know. That's it. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk to you about the most brilliant day of your life. What was that? It's when I met Chanel. Mm, tell me about this. It was that. Tony Robbins Leadership Academy, and she was hanging out with a bunch of uh, Platts, and they were kind of, uh, I was not a Platt. What the, uh, what's a Platt? I'm, Never heard of it. It's a, it's a Platinum membership with Tony Robbins. You, you It basically costs you about 130 grand a year to be oh, a member. Oh, okay. Snappy dresser. Okay, it's, cool. Yeah, it's it's about 70 for a membership now, and then plus- So a Platt a, is like a, like a badge of honor, right? It's like it's like driving oh, it's like driving a $130,000 car down the road with the- Exactly. Top roll down, right? Exactly. You're, 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 I'm a plat. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so they were hanging out in their own group, and then uh, when I met her, when, when I saw her there, and she was uh, she was hanging out with all the plats, and it was her. She was the only female. It was a bunch of guys around her, and I I, I liked her, so I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get to know her, and uh, and uh, I worked my magic, you know. And even though I wasn't part of the group, I worked my magic. I got in there, and you lied and said you were a plat. No, I never lied. <laughs> oh, you mean you? Oh, you mean it was like an event where where um... yeah, where I just kind of slid in and and everybody assumed that I was a plat, but I never said I was. <laughs> Meanwhile, you were probably dead broke, right? Yeah, I love that. I love it. I love it. So you slid in and you just threw the Mac Daddy on her, and the rest is history. Yeah, that was that was probably one of the most brilliant days of my life. That's great, dude. That's great. Wait for you for going after the goal. You know, seeing her from That's... afar and saying I'm in. That's it. That's it. I said I want to go get some. That's awesome. All right. And you stole her from all the other plats that had their eye on her. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, all right, cool. So let's talk a little bit about grabbing life big. What are you doing now currently to, to grab life big? Well, I'm working on my one thing, which was what we discussed. And, and we're, we're heavily um, focused on student housing and housing for young professionals. Yeah, so um, let, let's just roll right into that because because that's what you know. We always ask, "What are you investing in now?" So so let let's talk about the whole thing from the beginning. Student housing; these are micro units. Explain to everybody listening what a micro unit is, why student housing, that sort of thing. Well, we we didn't want to be um, we didn't want to be like everybody else in the market and you know add X amount of value because there's a lot of competition in the multifamily right now, and and I don't like being in the markets where there's a lot of competition because when things are happening, then your margins get thinner and thinner, and then eventually the business becomes a commodity, and uh, so we were looking for something that has more of an edge actually um we were looking for an operator in an industry that has an edge so we were looking either at senior housing or student housing or something like that anyways long story short through go abundance i met a guy 
Nathan Flanagan, who was bragging about what kind, what what great returns uh, he was getting by investing with his cousin. So I said, "What does your cousin do?" He said, "He does student housing," and he was doing student housing in Montreal. And I said, "Well, could I invest with your cousin? Would you introduce me?" So he made an introduction. Chanel and I um, looked at the financials. We did about, I'd say, about six months worth of due diligence. While we did the due diligence, we made a couple of small investments, and uh, things went well. We liked the relationship. We we have high levels of respect for Daniel and what he was doing, and then we uh, we stood behind it and poured a whole lot more capital in. We put another five million dollars of cash into it, and then we went out and raised another five million dollars in cash, and um, we also brought in some. Um, some knowledge that we have when it comes to financing and structure and change the system of the way things were done. Um, he used to invest, he used to do co-ownership agreements where basically a few guys would get together and put in the money and they would get a mortgage together and he would go and do the work and he would get half of it. And right now we run it more, um, even though we run it on per deal basis, we run it more like a fund where um, investors, you know, get a, fairly good return up front before we get in. So our investors get 15 pref before we get anything and they get a 15 pref with catch up. Um, do you want me to explain that or do you think Yeah, man, this is this is the good stuff, baby. Let's 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 dig deep into it. I mean, so yeah, go ahead. Keep going with the keep going with the numbers and then we'll talk about the how. So, so they, they so get a ba- 15% so- preferred return. So if I invested a hundred grand with you, I, I'd get fifteen grand a year, is what you're saying. Preferred that's, return, yeah. That's yeah, and providing and you're making that. Right? Well, here's the thing. So it's it's a fifteen percent with catch up. So when I say with catch up, meaning that if if the first year we don't do the fifteen percent, but then the second year we do because generally speaking, it takes time to stabilize the asset, right? So so the first year we we create fifteen percent return, then the second let's say first year we only make ten. Second year we make fifteen, and third year we make twenty-five. We we owe you fifteen percent each year, so so we we gotta make we gotta make good on the whole fifteen percent. That's that's the catch up. We gotta catch up the first fifteen percent for you. So if yeah. you're invested for three years, you gotta get your forty-five percent first right. before we get anything. Before you get any profit, so, and then and then yeah. when you say the profit, that would be right any return, which is essentially you know rents less expenses and, and debt service, that's the profit. And, and what that's percentage the of the profit do you get versus the investors? So what we do is once, once we pay out the first 15%, yep. uh, then we go to 50-50. And okay. w- once we hit 20, then we go to 75-25 to our, in our favor. Um, and once, once the reason why we- 20%. 20% to the investor. So, and the reason why yep. we, the reason why, the reason why we do it like that is because a lot of, we're, we're confident that we can hit high returns. So we know that a lot of other companies are paying eight or nine or a 10 pref. Yep. And, and that's fine. And a lot of them are not paying catch up. Probably eight's probably so, more standard. Yeah. It's standard. So, so we figured, look, we'll double the eight, we'll pay the 15, you know, but instead of getting like instead of the deal working 70 30 yeah we want to figure share the deal on this on the other end yep and then so investors returns are protected up front yeah and then we're we're incentivized to to make the project as profitable as possible yeah and then uh, so so you get 75 percent of all returns over 20 and then what about disposition when you sell it it's it's the same thing uh it's the, the investors are getting the you know the 15 and then up to 20 it's 50-50 and then after 20 it's same same exact 5. same exact deal. And what is your model? Is your model buy and hold model? Is your model to to refinance after 2 years, uh, take out the oh. refi, pay back the investor? Or is your model to to get rid of it after 5 years? What uh, we, what what do you think? We have we we have a couple of different models. It, it kind of depends on who our investors are and what their goals are. We align ourselves with our investors and we also look at the property. So to be you know, to get into nitty gritty here, if we do lipstick kind of pig, it's definitely going for sale, right? We because lipstick kind of pig, we don't we don't necessarily want to hold. If we do a complete gut rehab or brand new construction, um, in that case, we have two options: we can either sell it, or 
we can re usually we create enough value where we can refinance the property at the end and we can pay the investors back their their money plus their return and then we we own the property together yeah that's good i like it okay so now let's talk about the how like so so a lot of people are scratching their head they don't know what the hell a micro unit is they don't know why a college student would want a micro unit they don't know you know, they may have heard of it only in New York City. So, like, where are you buying? What are you looking for? What are you doing to these places? Talk to us about that. So, uh, currently, we're buying in Montreal, Canada. And uh, this is not the only place that's good. But we look at, basically, de uh, densely populated cities that have universities in the city where the university doesn't have enough housing for their students. And the reason why we want cities and we don't want to be on the boonies is because we don't want to, we, we don't want the university that has control of the land and what goes around, right? We want to, we want to be able to control um, the product. So we like Montreal because in Montreal we have 239,000 students, um, uh, university students that live in five square miles. And these five square miles are located basically in downtown and, you know, areas surrounding downtown Montreal, uh, the property, the area is in, it's all A minus to A plus. All, all the property you build or buy is what you're saying? Or well, that exists? the area, the area, the, so we could buy, we can buy a crappy property. The property is falling apart. You saw one of the properties that we bought that was on the hill that looked like it was going to slide down the hill. I was shocked. Yeah. Ned took me yeah. for a tour with Daniel. We toured this thing and I remember it being freezing that day, but also I was like, man, this thing's about to fall down a hill. It's like 200 years old. I would never buy it. I mean, it seemed like a disaster. <laughs> yeah. So, so we'll buy a crappy property, but it has to be in an area. Um, we, we don't, we don't do B's or C's or D's or anything yep. like that. We the one thing sure. was there was college students, you know, bumping into us, walking down the street. You know I mean? There was tons of college students. Tons. College students bumping into us, and also also three and four million dollar single family homes around there, right? Yeah. And and eight hundred thousand dollar condos. So, so so you take a bedroom, right, and you chop it in in half, right? Well, what, what we do is what we do is we we buy a whole building and then we redesign. So we we don't do it based on apartment. We we re redesign the whole building. You take the you take so, the walls out. You take the front doors out. You take you we, you know you take, start fresh. We start fresh, right? So, it, it, like I said, it depends on the building, if the, depending on how units are laid out. We have a design team that goes in and looks at the building together with our project management team. Our design team uh, figures, figures out the best layout. Well, the project manager, who's also a structural engineer, kind of gives them pointers on what can be moved and what cannot be moved. And, and what the consequences of moving certain things are. Mm -hmm. So if we have to put it, you know, if we have to move walls and put I-beams, not a big deal. If we have to put metal beams, not a big deal. And then we look at how much do we pay for the property? How much are we investing into the property? And then also what is going to be, what are the possible rents at the end of the day? And what are expenses going to be? And what is the added value? Um, our formula is that for every dollar that we invest in a building, we like to get $4. Our formula, we don't always get it, but we yeah. like to get $4 back in value. In value. So, like in, in value, value, like if you were to have to sell it, and value is based on rents, right? Correct. And and based you're on, you're essentially getting yeah. these. What do you what do you think you're doing on average? Doubling the rents, tripling the rents. It, it depends. It depends on the space, but more often than not, we can we can double the rents. Okay, so um, let's well, let me dumb thing. this down. So if I more buy, often than not, more often than not, we can double the net operating income, even if we don't double the rents. Okay. Okay. Right, because expense, your expenses stay the same. So I'll give you an example. Like when you take when you take a building that earns two hundred thousand dollars a year in rent, gross rent, okay, uh, and let's say this building has a hundred thousand dollars a year in expenses, yep. property taxes. So I got a insurance. clean hundred thousand profit. You profit. buy it, okay? What would you buy yeah. it for? Just give me a number. Uh, uh, in Montreal, it's a five cap, so it would be a two million dollar building. Really. So you'd buy yeah. it for two million. The guy that sold it to you would be like sucker, right? You know, I get well, you know I'm getting five million. Yeah, but you're paying five million for a not you. you he thinks you're a sucker because you're paying five mil to get a hundred grand a no, no, year. No, two million. Two, two million to get a hundred. Oh, okay. Year. I was gonna say. Okay. No, uh, no, did no, I say five? 
yeah, you said five cap and then five, whatever. Anyways, five I got it. I got it. So two million, you pay for it. You got a five cap. We got that. What exactly are you doing? What do you do? So, so let's say let's say let's say we have to go and invest. Let's say we have to go and invest two hundred fifty thousand dollars in this building. Okay, to to do the improvements, and and I'm just giving you a model, four to one model, on the two hundred fifty thousand dollar investment in this building. We have to increase the value by a million dollars. Okay, so when we're done, the new net operating income has to be two hundred thousand dollars. So we don't have to double the rents if we take the rent from two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand dollars a year. So then we increase it by fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Okay, our expenses are going to stay the same. Right. Your property tax is the same. Your insurance is the same. Your sure. property management is the same. It all stays the same. The only okay. thing that it actually what we do often more often than not we reduce the expenses. Okay, so so on our formula, if we invest two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a two million dollar building, so now we're at two point two five. Yep. Okay. Now we have a new building that's worth three million bucks. Got it. And with this option, if if we invest a two hundred fifty thousand, we probably just sell it because we didn't do a complete gut rehab. But we've uh, recently bought a building that we bought for two and a half million. We invested two million dollars into it, which is four and a half. And then at the end of the day, when we're done, um, we we can sell the building for seven point two million. Now we're probably not going to sell this building. We're just going to refinance it, pay our investors back, and own the building together. Yeah. And when you so, do this, it's interesting because in a sense you're disrupting the rental market because what Ned is doing is he's taking up, let's say, a one bedroom and uh, make it into two efficiencies with with desks coming out of the walls that you can fold up the desks and with beds that come out of the walls where you can fold up the beds and with you know minimal closets and just and just making them massively micro but then you know slashing the rents so that he's the only affordable college student rental around creating his own market and kind of disrupting, uh, you know, the the rental market there. It's fascinating. That's exactly right. Yeah. So everybody else that has a decent product out there is charging about a thousand dollars a month per per room, and we're we're at seven fifty to eight fifty. The difference is when you when you if you rent a three bedroom apartment in Montreal and you spend three thousand dollars a month, um, you're gonna get like a thirteen hundred square foot apartment. Um, our three our three bedroom apartment would probably end up being 750 square feet. But, you know, the rents would be less. And the kids, the way they see it, they don't look at it like, hey, how much space am I getting? They're looking at how be- how functional is this place? You know, how beautiful is it? We, we, we lead with design. We spend a lot of money on design. Um, and we, we put a lot of effort into design. So we make sure the places are amazing looking. There's a good feel, good touch to it. And students are feeling at home. So... Then the space, you know, the, the the size doesn't matter so much when you're feeling good in a place. Right. Um, They're more know, about the, the millennials are more about experience and less about space. Right. Less about you know I need all of this space to make me feel good. They they look at yeah. the space and they're like, what a waste of space. Right. Well, like, it, well, why? it's either that or like it's either that or like if you're looking at a younger kid to say like, hey, would I rather drive around in a in a BMW, you know, uh, two series or three series, a smaller one? Or would I buy, you know, or would I buy a big, I don't know, a big Chevy car? You know, yeah, if right. they don't have if they don't have family and kids running around, why do you need a big Chevy car? And they cost the same. Yeah. Right. So, you, so, 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 you're, you're, the, so you're getting something really nice. Uh, but then they're also yeah. they also feel good because they're not blowing money, right? They're spending less money than their peers. You know, their rent costs are less money, and if they're putting themselves through college or their parents are thrifty, they're gonna be like, "Heck yeah, man!" Yeah, generally our kids are not concerned with uh, with like, yes, they want to they want to get the value for the money, but the the kids that we have are not putting themselves through college. They're generally speaking, they're kids from like well off families because we base ourselves around. A, like we're in A neighborhoods, A universities. So we don't generally look at like state schools. McGill is the equivalent of Harvard in Canada. So if you look at if you look at the co-signers on our, because um, we, we get the parents to co-sign and not only do they co-sign for their own kid, they're co-signing for the whole apartment. So if we have a three bedroom with three kids, 
there are three parents who are jointly several responsible for rent as well. So Pat, like if your you know daughter was living in one of the units in in a three uh, two, with two other girls in a three bedroom, and one of the other kids' parents couldn't make the rent, well, you know, guess who's responsible for it, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, smart, interesting. Yes. Well, and yeah, then, they'll, so, then they'll go out of their way and and and, and find another replacement. They will. And another thing is this. We don't we don't really care who threw the party. You know what I mean? Like if if at the end we have a move in inspection, a move out inspection and at the end of the year, if there's any damage, we don't really try to find out who threw the party and, and try to find the person to, you know, because it's kind of hard with students. Oh, I didn't do it. She did it. He did it. We don't care at this point. You know, everybody's paying. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah, we don't we don't like we don't care who threw the party. Like each one of your parents is getting a bill. Yeah. Well, you know, in college rentals and I, I got a bunch of college rentals, so I kinda, you know, understand. I mean, you have to let go of all that stuff too, you know. I mean, I don't care. I have, you know, commercial grade carpets and we repaint them every year and it's just it's just part of the gig it doesn't bother me it's just you know it's all it all works into the numbers too you know yeah and another thing why we like canada and university housing in canada it's it holds up a little bit better than us is uh kids and kids in canada can drink at 18 so they don't have to throw parties in the house they can actually go out to a bar yeah so that's all of canada's like that well, it's either 18 or 19, depending on, but we don't, we don't generally accept freshmen. We take them in second year. So they're 19 by that time anyway. And then, then they can, they're able to go out to a bar and, and drink. And so they don't, people generally don't throw parties at their house. Hmm. Amazing. There might be an after, there might be yeah. an after party, but they're, right. they're usually not as wild as the. <laughs> yeah, plus they don't got enough space in your units, right? You know, I did that in some of my units. I I just grew all this bamboo in the backyard because, and 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 made the decks really short because I didn't want parties, right? If I had big decks and and a big flat backyard, it, that's that's what yeah. happened. So okay, so let's spin the GoBundance app, Nettie, and uh, see what we get. Hold on a second. Boop, Mister Ned. How have I been cheating on my future by thinking thoughts of my past? Oof. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. So, man, you nailed it. I was actually thinking about this morning. Uh, so, so let me let me clarify. Let me put this the right way. So, during my tenure, going and helping companies grow and turn them around, I've gotten burned a few times. And what I mean I've gotten burned is I've gotten into relationships with unreasonable people. And recently I was looking at a business that could have a lot of potential that could use uh, Chanel Nye's guidance and maybe a little bit of capital. And one of the thoughts that keeps entering my head is some of the past bad relationships. It, it doesn't mean, it's, it's true that it, you know, the past doesn't equal the future, but it was haunting me just this morning. And it was a conversation I was going through with Chanel. So oftentimes I look at something that's happened to me in the past and then I equate that this is something that could happen to me again, even sure. though it's a fresh new start. Yeah, the, so cat, the, the cat that sits on a hot stove never sits on a hot or a cold stove again. That's, that's exactly that's exactly right. So so I don't you know I think it's a weakness. I think it's something I gotta let go. But um, it's it's there to protect us, right? Yeah, I, I, to a degree. But at the same time, we're not animals, so we have to learn. I mean, you could. There's women out there like that, right? That have been that, that have been scorned in relationships, probably for the, no fault of their own, but maybe not. You know and irrelevant right so, or even men i shouldn't say women but i think you know it's easier to, for me to think of women i know and then women. they'll never you know they'll never marry right they'll, they'll, never, they'll get, never they'll never fall in love again because you know they think that the past equals the future when it comes to men they've linked up you know men with pain 
That's exactly right. And it's sad. And like I said, what I do, I do this once in a while, but then Chanel is the one that keeps me accountable. So she was at me this morning. I kind of wanted to tell her, go fuck yourself. But, uh, she's it's like, too well, early in the morning really... to tell her that. Right now. Well, yeah, she was like, is this really true? Are you just telling yourself a story from the past? Are you projecting into the future? I'm like, ah, I know I'm doing it. Yeah, she's yeah. right. Yeah, no, she's right. And I guess that's a benefit of having a partner, right? Is that without the partner by yourself, you'd be like drive yourself crazy. Yeah. Man. You know, amazing thing about her is that that we're complete opposites when it comes to certain things. And when when she's down, I'm there to be her rock. And when when I'm doubtful, then she's there to to be my rock. And and we usually balance each other out pretty well. And I'm People often ask me, how do you guys work together and live together? You know, it's not easy, but I prefer it to the alternative of what I had before where I always worked and my ex didn't. And then she couldn't understand what I was going through. So I kind of, you know, I kind of like it this way. It's not, you know, it's not the ideal where like you, you know, some people have it where, you know, the wife is just being supportive and, and. And they're doing their thing. I actually like her being bold and being a voice of yeah. reason. Yeah. Off to me. Yeah. That's it's great. It's amazing. That's great. My wife's the same way. You know what I mean? Like she, like I had some guy yell at me the other day, which I appreciate when people yell at me. I mean, I really do most of the time. And uh, I, I told him, I was like, you know what, dude, you're hundred percent right. I did this deal with him where it didn't work out. I lost 25 G's on it. And I, um, and, and he made a deal with me, actually, that uh, I would get half of my money back. I won't get into too much details with it. But, it, you know, the deal went bankrupt, and I said, okay, send me my half. And he yelled at me. He said, I spent two and a half fucking years of my life doing this, and you have the nerve, instead of saying, I'm sorry that the deal went bankrupt, and da 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All you said was send me half my money back. Da-da-da. And I was like, dude, you're right. You're 100% right. Sometimes I, you know... Just send out emails. I should have had more empathy, and I should have. I really, yeah, should have. yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sorry. You're a guy. You're you, know, a guy. you know, he's 100 percent right. So, and I appreciated him saying it. And afterwards, I was like, dude, thank you so much. You know, I'm so sorry. I was a dick. You know, but I wasn't even thinking about it. So it helps. And my wife tells me all the time. I said, my wife tells me this all the time that I'm I'm too short. You know, that I'm too crude or whatever. And and he said she does. And I'm like, yeah, she tells me all the time. That's that's what she's supposed to do. He's like, my wife wouldn't tell me that. I'm like, well, I'm thankful she does, and I'm thankful that he did. So, you know, yeah. here's Ned. I want to now, talk to now, you about. Now, now that I said that I'm feeling empathetic, is the check in the mail already? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I couldn't. <laughs> he would have hung up on me, man. He was fired <laughs> up. He was fired up, man. Um, <laughs> why did we find that funny? <laughs> okay. So here's what I want to talk to you about, Ned. So recently you lost 40 pounds of fat. I need to find out. And, and people out there, listen, they want to, what, how? It's, it's, it's go abundance, right? It's, uh, it's actually to be truthful. Like when I, uh, when I first joined go abundance, I had lost a lot of the drive. I was, um, I was, you know, in my, my divorce lasted three years, but prior to that, I moved out. So, so I was I was kind of beat up by the divorce, and I was not motivated to do much because I didn't want to create anything new. Because anything new I created got tangled into the divorce, and oh, it was yeah. just it was just negative and bad. And then when I joined GoBundance, I met all these guys who were driven again, and I may I may may just be a little competitive. Ah. So. So, so when I got around all these guys who were doing all this stuff and creating all this stuff, and I was like, fuck, you know, I want to do better than them. You know, I want to do better than this guy. I'll, you know, I'll put a target, you know, not, not that I want to hurt the person, but I just no, want to. No, no. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the whole idea of surrounding yourself with five people, you know, greater than you. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and so that just I, eventually grilled in your head. But what I guess the question is, what did you. What'd you do? Like, did you stop eating? No, you know what? It's, it's, it, was, it was all gradual. So being around, that was the second part. Being around Go Abundance is I showed up. I was about 235, you know. Uh, I, was, I was heavy, and, and I didn't feel good about myself physically. But, I, you know, I justified it by like, hey, I'm, you know, like females still find me attractive. And, and, and I kind of, you know, a lot of people in my life weren't, 
whole lot better. So I was fine. So once I started getting around GoBundance, and I, and I one of the first times I met you guys, we went on a hike with you and Tim and a bunch of other guys. And then I was walking behind. We went on a hike. Um, I can't remember. Uh, it was. No, I in, remember that. Yeah, it was, I think it was in Colorado. Yeah. yeah. It, it, no, it was Sun Valley. I'm sorry. In Sun Valley. No, it was it Sun Valley or what is it? Uh, in Tahoe. Yeah. We went up the mountain and, and we walked. And, and like, I'm looking at this fucking Tim. I'm like, this guy's like 20 years older than me. And like, he's kicking my ass. <laughs> you know? I'm like, this is fucking not cool, right? <laughs> so, so then I started doing a little bit. And then every time I would go on a trip, you know, I, and then you guys came out with this GB9, you came out with GB9 and, mm -hmm. and then every time, like first time I ever did G GB9, I did like, not counting the age, I did like 129 yeah. and at that point I was already starting to do stuff. I was like starting to do some push-ups, sit-ups and then I did GB9 in, in, this is a year after I did GB9 in Grand Canyon when I was on the, uh, on the last guy's trip. In Grand Canyon, and I did two twenty nine. Nice. So, wow. So yeah, so it's just being around the right tribe, being around the right people. I think it's like reverse osmosis. Mm. I, I'm not. What I am doing right now is I go to the gym four or five days a week. Wow. What do you do I, when you get I, there? Well, here's the thing. I do like if I can, I do a good workout. But like yesterday, I cardio, went cardio, muscle, what? Muscles mostly, right? And Muscles, then cardio, okay. car, cardio, I like, I catch up, you know, cardio, I can, you know, I, I'll go for a walk or run mm -hmm. or whatever I, when I, whenever I have time. So you just so, do free weights? What are you doing? I do free weights. So, so like, for example, yesterday, like yesterday I went in and I had a headache and I'm like, you know what? I just want to knock it out in 20 minutes. So all I did yesterday, I did like eight sets of bench. I started out really light and then I, then I benched. I don't know, like 135, 145, 155, 165. I went up to 225. I did like a couple of sets of 225. Then I worked my way down. I did maybe like eight or 10 sets. And then I went and I did maybe like eight sets of pull-ups, just regular pull-ups. And then after that, I did some, I did some sit-ups. And I'm like, you know what? It was, I was like 17 minutes into it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not feeling like anymore. Well, that's a lot now, in 17 minutes, dude. That's like most yeah. people's 90-minute workout. <laughs> <laughs> and... and and then on a, eight on a, sets on a good, of bench. I mean, <laughs> on a good day, right? Yeah, I mean, good. But eight sets of bench are like seven, eight sets. Of like That's like no rest. But how long do you pull up? <laughs> I, I can't pull up for. I pull up like eight times and it takes me like 20 seconds and I rest like 30, 40 seconds and I do it again, right? Okay. And then, and then, uh, and that's all I did. And then on a good day, I'll, I'll do double that and I'll go, I'll, I'll go on a treadmill for half an hour, you know? So if yeah. I have, a, so I might, I might get a couple of good days in a week and I might get a couple of two, three shitty days in a week, but I go. Yeah. So that's, the key is going, right? You're just, you're going, right? You're going. Yeah. That's the key. Like, even if I don't go, I, I do something at home, right. you know, like I'll do some push ups and sit ups and, and, and pull ups and I'll do something. And you're you probably know, a lot more active too, because now all of a sudden you've found your sweet spot in your purpose. You know, you're passion passionate about this job. You're you're going all around. You know, raising money. You're you're checking out apartment buildings. You're, I mean, you got this m massive thing going on, and that's probably burns a shit ton of calories as well. Yeah, I believe so. And and I I'm telling you, the biggest thing is this tribe, the Go Abundance tribe. It's, uh, it's been around, it's been around people who, who are better than you. And it's not, you know, even if you're, even if you're making more money than someone else, they're beating you in fucking pushups, you know, they're beating yeah, you. There's always somebody yeah, beating you in, in, in one of the pillars, you know, pillars, either some, that someone's going to whip your ass and yeah, pretty much four of the five pillars, you know, and you're going to be or, brilliant in one. Yeah. Or they're a better speaker, or they're better socializing with people, or they have a better family relationship. So mm, it's it's around, yeah. being, around all these amazing people and learning, like looking at their strengths and learning from each one of them. Yeah, right. That's that's the key because I I don't think there's a successful entrepreneur out there that doesn't have parts of their life that could be torn apart. Oh yeah. Outside of their their brilliance, outside of their genius zone. So. 
you know, that's the cool part about abundance is, you know, yeah, we all have a genius zone, but what about all, what about the rest of life? Do you really want to be, you know, known for hyper-focusing on that one thing only, you know? That's exactly right. And, and this tribe is really kind of brought it, you know, into perspective for me that it's, it's just nice to have a tribe of guys, people that, you know, I was, a, I was in another gold pod. So I'm in two gold, in two pods right now. And I was another gold pod. Cheater. And, and uh, well, I started in the other one and then I joined you guys. Okay. And then I do the other one like once a week and I was in the gold pod and, and I was, I was having a fight with Chanel. Right. And we, we had just been working like five days straight, you know, like 14 hour days sitting down with pension funds and, and family offices. And it, I was just worn. We had this fight. She walked out and, and I got on the call and I was talking to the guys and I said, fuck, you know, I'm just so pissed. And, and I was angry. And then I, uh, I think it was Courtney that said, um, Courtney said, you know, he said, most times when I'm having a fight with my wife, I look at myself first. Yeah. You know, I look at myself, I look at myself in the mirror and I say, you know, what did I do to contribute to this? Mm, and, and just the distinction, just the distinction just made me like, as soon as I got off the phone, I was like, why the fuck am I fighting? Right? Yeah, right. It makes sense. I was an asshole too. She wasn't the most pleasant either, but I was an asshole. I went down to the store. I bought some flowers. I went over, gave her the flowers. I apologized about 17 times and then. <laughs> Seventy times in about three minutes. Yeah, yeah, and then, that, that's a pattern here. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know what? And then like five minutes later, we're like back on track and life was great. And if it wasn't for that guy telling me that, I might have been fighting with her for the next two, three days. Yeah. Brilliant. So so it's just having uh, uh, support. It's having, you know, I, I definitely believe like it's like family. I, I might not have a really strong family base, but I believe this go abundance is like family. And you know what, for, for the value that it offers, it's really, it's inexpensive. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. There's very few groups of people that can actually tell you important things that you listen to, you know? I mean, yeah. re recently I had experience like Tim road gave me the idea of going to India. I've never been to India and, and, um, and me and him were going to go to India and then he chose he said, no, nah, I'm too busy. I'm not going to go. So I was like, fuck you. Then I'm going to go by myself because I've never taken a trip by myself ever. You know what I mean? Other than okay. a business trip. So I'm telling my wife, I, I start setting up this trip to go by myself to India. And I got on the phone with one of my mentors who, who's happy to tell it like it is. And he goes, Pat, he's like, that's a disaster. He goes, I forbid you. <laughs> that's the word she used. I forbid you to do that. He's, first of all, he's like, the, the days that you have this booked out for, it's supposed to be 120 degrees in India then. There's no air conditioning. And the places that do have air conditioning, you're not going to be able to see India because you'll be hanging out in the places with air conditioning. And uh, he said, you're probably going to get sick and there's not going to be no one to, to back you up. You're not going to be able to, your cell phone could die and you can't even call 911. He's like, he's like, absolutely don't, do not go to India. And I came back and I said, um, you know, Fred told me not to go to India. He actually forbid me from going to India. <laughs> and yeah. she was like, good for him. I've been telling you that for two months. <laughs> I was like, there's a million places you can go by yourself, but don't go to India. So I was like, yeah, so I think that's right what you said. Sometimes you just need to hear it from people outside of our families, outside of, you know, maybe even business partners or people that we deal with every day. We need to hear it from new, different people that have no ulterior motives, you know? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. So it's that's what it is, right? You need to, and you need to hear it from people that you respect. And that's what the go pods are. You get in there for 90 minutes, 2 hours, whatever it is, and it's all about it. It's like feedback for breakfast, baby, right? It's like here here, give me as much <laughs> feedback as you can in 10 minutes, you know, when we're talking about me, right? That's exactly right. That's I love it. I love it. And and another thing is um I I'm kind of sick of traveling. I've been traveling for the last few years quite a bit, going around raising money and all doing all this stuff. And that, now I, I, I don't have to as much because we have several family offices that are backing us and we, we have a lot of cash that at our disposal. And, you know, I'm, I still like being able to reach out to people. So having GoPods and having to be able to still stay connected with people and stay at home is like such a blessing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a way to connect. 
without having to drive or fly somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You can get on, see each other, and I definitely appreciate you and Rob, and it's just, it's great. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, listen, Brother Ned, thank you so much for sharing all that you have shared today. I mean, there's been some brilliant ahas on this call, and uh, I will definitely be uh, connecting with you soon. Thanks a lot, brother.